Welcome to Indoctrination, a weekly conversation series about protecting yourself from systems of control. I'm your host, Rachel Bernstein. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm so pleased to have Kayla with us. Kayla is a YouTube creator and launched her channel, Kia's World, back in 2021 to discuss toxic positivity, hustle culture, self-help, spirituality, scams, and everything in between. It's right up my alley. Kayla started her career in the broadcast and digital journalism industry and still uses her research and storytelling skills while creating her content. Kayla is a former personal development fan who thought the industry was the key to finding success in her life. However, Kayla experienced firsthand how the self-help and wellness industry can be full of manipulation, clever marketing, and lots of red flags. Now she's on a mission to help expose some of the tactics that can lead well-meaning seekers astray. Here's Kayla now. So today on the show, I'm so happy to have Kayla of Kia's World. It is so good to talk to you because we're going to go over a subject that I've touched upon here and there on the podcast, but we haven't delved into it for a whole show and it really needs to be. And so I would love for you to introduce yourself. Then we'll talk a little bit about what you want to talk about and also what brings you to those subjects. So go for it. So my name is Kayla from Kia's World. It's a YouTube channel where I talk about different topics, um, including self-help and sort of the issues in the industry. Uh, I've talked about scams online, people who I think are purposely using emotional manipulation tactics to convince you to either donate or join them or a a number of different things. Um, I look at a lot of people in the personal development space and also the more, as they say online, like the woo-woo spirituality sphere. And I sort of analyze the tactics on my channel. And I, I think I'm sort of personally interested in those topics because I was one of those people who were being manipulated, I believe, by these gurus, both big and small. So once I kind of saw the light of what was going on, I wanted to bring other people to the light as well. Mm. I love that. I love that. And I'm so glad that you're doing that. So one of the things that I talk a lot about is how you know that someone is trustworthy, how you know a situation is worthy of your trust. And so uh, sometimes now when I see things online where there is this word salad, where there's a lot of words, they don't say anything and there's nothing that's quantifiable, but they promise you they're going to give you that, whatever that is, and kind of, you know, in its invisible form like manifestation. You know, I'm wary of those things that um, can't be defined, but they're promising you. And also if someone says that they're some sort of healer or spiritual leader and they're backlit, like they have beautiful lighting. (laughs) The angelic (laughs) halo effect. I get a little nervous. Um, What do you look for now? What are some obvious signs to you where, you know, you think, I need to be wary. This looks like a lot of the same kind of scam. 
I think what you said with the backlighting is very interesting and important. I think one thing I see right off the bat is someone who's really close to the camera and looking you in the eyes, like dead in the eyes. They want to be emotionally engaged with you. So they get as close to the camera as humanly possible and will stare through the screen. And I think a big red flag that I see a lot is, hey, you. Yeah, you like talking to you and it it is manipulating. It's like manipulating because you're like, oh, this is nice. Like someone's caring about me and looking at me in the eyes. And then you have to take a second and go, wait, this person is actually staring at a camera and they're probably actually ironically staring at themselves while they're talking uh-huh. and delivering whatever sort of message is supposed to be empowering to me. Yeah. So anyone who says like, you are the most beautiful person who's ever walked this earth. And then in my head, I'm like, oh, they're talking about me. And then the secondary thing is like, wait, they're talking to anyone. And if it appeals to everyone, it actually is meant for no one in particular. So that's sort of a red flag. And then like you said, word salad, which is my favorite keyword in this space, which is someone who's just throwing a lot of words in a bowl, mixing it up and then spewing it out with no actual meaning. And that is the most common thing. And like you said, manifestation, quantum, abundance, like there's a million buzzwords that people that are sort of, I don't know, looking for a certain type of content might be triggered by in a positive way. Like, oh, how to become abundant? Okay, let me let me focus on on what they're saying here. But once you start to see it a lot, it's just, it's nothing, it's meaningless. Really, like uh, most of these people who are coming out here saying like, I can help you grow in your business or I can help you, you know, become aligned. What does that mean? What does growing in business mean? It means something different to ExxonMobil than it does to someone who's running a salon. And it's different to someone who's, you know, a life coach working online or running an MLM group, but they're talking to everyone. So it's, I don't know, they're hoping that a couple people just are inspired and joined and that's enough for them to run a business apparently. I, you know, I wonder also about the, the scarcity The you know, here is the only place that you can get this and I can provide this for you when no one else can. This idea that somehow you found it. I think that happens a lot with conspiratorial kinds of groups. We have the answer. We've cracked the code. uh, We have the secrets. And so I wonder about that kind of language too, that the answer that you didn't even quite even know that you were looking for is here and only here. Do you come across that? Oh yeah, a lot. And usually it's, it's in, especially in the, the spirituality space, it's like this ad came up on your feed, not by accident, by divine intervention. <laughs> and it's like, okay, if that's true, why did you spend money on a campaign on Facebook, you know, to, to make sure that this was delivered to people searching for this? So are you truly, and I'm saying this to the person making this content, like, are you truly trusting in the universe or are you manipulating your, you know, target audience very well? Um, but yeah, I see that all the time where it's like, you know, I help people deal with this issue and it makes it seem like you're special for having this problem or this pain point. But in reality, it's like every human being sort of sometimes deals with doubt. (laughs) Do you feel like sometimes you aren't making as much money as you'd like to? Like who doesn't say yes to those questions? So it's the people who are perceiving it. It's almost like casting the widest net possible. And then the people who are caught in it, then you start to work the secondary marketing ploys or the sales tactics on those people. I mean, this material that I'm seeing we're talking about is like like life coaching, for example. I mean, that is a huge, everyone has a life that's on, you know, Instagram, I would imagine. So 
they're just trying to get anybody, in my opinion, similar with MLMs. You know, it's not about finding quality leads that this person, like a recruiter might do for a company where you're looking for certain skill sets that will match the role. It's the opposite of that. It is anyone with a beating heart and a bank account is what I usually say. And then they find those people who are, I hate to say it, but those people who are almost like a little bit naive to what this is most likely, whether it's a course that's, you know, $10,000 or joining a downline. There's a lot of, you know, if it's too generalized, that's the rule. If it's too general, if it's too vague about what this person's offering, what their credentials are, what this thing is, but they're offering like alignment, abundance, happiness, joy, red flag for me. Oh yeah. Alignment, abundance. Oh, wow. I see those words so often, so often. And yes, and the terminology is important. Something that I've talked about here too is when people are reaching out for help, they want to know that the person they're talking to is qualified. This is not to say that there are licensed professionals out there that are not, you know, well, they shouldn't be doing this work because I've come across a number of people who really take advantage of their power and they're fully licensed and credentialed. So you really have to interview the person and find out about their background and talk to people who've worked with them, I think, to do your due diligence. Now, there are some people who go through training and they go through hours of experience to become a coach and others who call themselves coaches. But then there's this whole faction of coaches who are called professional coaches, but not because they are professional coaches, but because they coach professionals. Yeah. <laughs> so you you have to kind of dig in. Yeah. That's not to say they're not able to help you, but just know who you're dealing with and what they have been trained in and what they have not, and then make a more educated decision. It's very hard though, with so many of these terms and titles, shamans, everything, you know, and healers, what does it all mean? Yeah. And I've mentioned in, in the intro that I sort of was not a, I don't consider myself a victim, but I definitely was a, a prime warm customer for a lot of these coaching businesses and retreats and that sort of thing a few years ago. And I think the thing that to me sort of is like when you're looking for this material and, and basically for me, it was like, I was going through a rough time. I didn't know why. I just felt like I was struggling and I didn't want to, I didn't think my situation was bad enough to go to a therapist. That was my thought at the time. So I was looking for, you know, things like life-changing, reset, restart, you know, quarter-life crisis, you know, I was, you know, in my mid-20s. So those words that I was searching for online brought up a lot of life coaching. And the thing that got me, and this is sort of something important that I haven't talked about a lot on my channel, but the life coach that I ended up going with, which is someone who is local to me, was a former therapist. And their pitch was, I went through you know, training in college and got my license and went through everything, but I wanted to offer more. And I think there's a more holistic approach than just therapy. So I got out, but I have all the skills and the knowledge and the ethics of a therapist, but it's, you know, a different price and we can do yoga together. And I was like, wow, that's very intriguing and something I'm interested in. And so that's what got me interested. The problem was when I got with this life coach, over time, it sort of went much deeper into the, I'm actually, like you said, I'm actually a medium. I discovered this this gift. I, I just, you know, I think I should start using that on you or, oh, I, you know, I can... And then of course the coach has a coach. So her, my coach's coach was starting to like get involved and she could surrogate my uh, back pain and she could go in, into my spine and, and 
talk to me as my spine. And these are things that I would never have searched for in a million trillion years. But because my I dipped my toe into the one, you know, I want a reset in my life, trusted this person because we got along very well. And because she said she was a former therapist. Now all of a sudden I'm, you know, contemplating, should I go and do like a, a spine surrogacy training through Zoom, which is supposed to heal my, you know? And it's like, that's so not, it's never been me. I've been very logical, logistical person. But because there was trust, like you said, it's almost like you give a little and then it grows and grows and grows until you realize like, whoa, how did I get here? <laughs> and it started just on Instagram. It's incredible. Okay, a couple of things. One I think with so many things happening online, so many services being offered, especially if they have that way of approaching you, like you're saying in a very personal way, you know, they're talking to you, even though they're not, there is something very intimate about that. And you feel seen and you feel remembered and someone cares about you. And I think knowing that you don't have to really do anything that shows any effort, you can just receive this kind of reassuring message from someone that there are people out there who really do care and they can be in the darkness of your bedroom at night when you're feeling lonely, you just turn on your computer or your phone, tablet, and they're there. And I think that just really bonds people to each other and makes them feel like they really have been there during their lonely times. And I think it's really good to keep track of that, that I might have this connection to this person because they were there, but they're not really there. This is a pre-recorded thing that I happen to stumble upon. But I, the other thing I was thinking about is sometimes I tell people that you can find out about how healthy an association is when you tell the person you're going to be leaving and they don't want to let you go. They make you feel you're making a mistake by going. So suddenly when you had this spinal surrogacy idea and, and, and I can only, there are probably other ideas too. <laughs> and you're like, I don't know what that means. At what point did you decide to leave and what were you faced with or met with when you decided to go? I don't think I handled it the best way I could have. And basically I just kind of ghosted, honestly. The pandemic was just starting when I was leaving. So it was sort of convenient timing in that way, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a good excuse. But it was just, it was a, kind of growing slowly to my suspicions, my apprehensions, the the differing in our belief system. And I think she was being guided, manipulated by her coach. Um, because when I first started with her, I think she was a lot more logical. And that's what I really clung to, I think, in the beginning. But then slowly there was a change. So I just stop booking appointments. And the, the sad thing is, and this is the problem when it comes to life coaching specifically, is her and I became friends. We were friendly. We were seeing each other outside of our sessions, going to social engagements together and going to, um, you know, there was a larger group that did yoga together and we would hang out. So it was like losing a group of friends really, because when I decided to leave her as a life coach, you know, I just started to not really respond or answer or or make the effort to to call and eventually I think she got the the subtle hint but yeah it was it was not just hey this contractual obligation is no longer you know working for me it was like almost like lo like losing a friend like okay my friend and I have a disagreement but I don't really want to have a fight about it I'm just going to kind of do my own thing so there was never any sort of resolution with it and sometimes I 
feel badly that I didn't explain why I was walking away, but she never asked me either. So I'm like, okay, it just sort of, I don't know. She just moved on to to other clients and I moved on to a therapist. And, you know, I think it's all for the better. But yeah, sometimes I do feel regret because yeah, I did lose someone I, I really liked in my life. But again, like I just, there was a line that was crossed and I couldn't, I couldn't ignore it any longer. Right. No. And even just that you have any kind of misgiving that you maybe abandoned a friend, it should never have gotten to that point. And that's on her because that boundary was crossed. I know that when I run into people who are clients, they seem very awkward when they see me in public. I mean, it's like, I still remember the the horror of seeing my third grade teacher at the supermarket. Like she exists outside of school and blew my mind. So you, you kind of want your worlds to stay separate. And I've had clients, I pass by them, they're in a restaurant, they quickly put out their cigarette, like I care. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so I think it is really interesting that you then merged into having this friendship and then you had that overlap and then you ghost someone because I think it, be- it becomes too much and you don't know quite how to say, I think I'm done with this. And yeah, I, I think it becomes a little bit overwhelming. And then what happened next after this? So it sounds like there was a succession of different experiences you had. Yeah. So so after I sort of disappeared from that world, uh, and I, like I said, the pandemic was happening. So I don't think a lot of people were necessarily wor- worrying too much about where I was. They had their own issues to to deal with. But I got into therapy and it started over Zoom with a, like a real licensed professional. And at the time, I didn't have a job. I had been laid off because of the pandemic and I was, you know, didn't have insurance. And thankfully, this my therapist um, was accepting non-insured patients and new ones. And so I got very lucky and we started to have sessions once a week on Zoom. And at first I was open to going back to the life coach. I was like, I'm just going to try this for now, see how it goes. And then if it doesn't work out, I can kind of try to see if I can ignore some of those flags um, that had led me to, you know, sort of leave it. But as I started to talk about things with the therapist, it became clear pretty quickly that uh, she was qualified, confident, heard my story and had a lot of help to offer. And as opposed to what I was doing previously, which was, you know, a lot of the same conversations. I was talking about my childhood. I was talking about, you know, things that were going on. And with the therapist, it was like, pointed questions that sort of made sense to keep going down following that path of what was going on versus, okay, let's do... Have you ever heard of Psych K? No, what's Psych K? Psych K is like a uh, a modality, as they say, that is very woo-woo. And basically, it's muscle testing with therapy. So you have your arm out and they'd ask you a question. Do you want to talk about your mother today? And you'd like go just oh, right. decide if you want to. Right. Talk. And you press down. And if there's resistance, it means something. And if there isn't, it means something else. I think I've seen this demonstrated, right? Okay. So what does it mean if there is, if you're, if you're pressing your arm down and there's resistance, what does that mean? Don't talk about mom today. My body is not wanting to talk about mom, but if it goes down, it's like, okay, we're safe to talk about your mom today. 
And I always felt it was so silly. I'm like, okay, like I just sort of like rolled my eyes internally the whole time I was doing it. And I think that's when it became like, okay, I like, I never gave into it that much. I was always kind of like, okay, I'm, I need to talk about my, my trauma, but I guess I'll just do this to like appease her, you know, cause she believes it works. Yeah. And then there was a whole thing too with, with her where she would do it herself. And she's like, I can, so it's like two hands and it's like, I want to go to pizza hut today. Nope. I don't want to go to pizza. Hut. I want to go to Taco Bell. Oh, I can go to Taco Bell. And that's how she would make all her decisions. And I thought it was, you know, and that was supposed to be this like psych K training that she was paying for that allowed her to be you know, so if I did it, it's fake, but she did it because she's been trained in how to do it correctly and whatever. So, you know, I don't know. It seems so ridiculous and silly now, which it is. But at the time I just, you know, I really needed to talk to someone. That's what it was. And I think I was willing to overlook the 25 things that I felt were weird and odd and bizarre to have someone that was willing to listen to my story at the time. And it makes me feel sort of like, oh God, that was like a vulnerable place. But at the time you're going through it, you're like, I'm willing to make some sacrifices here too, <laughs> to get this off my chest. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's no different from getting into a relationship because you're lonely or staying in a relationship because you don't want to be alone. And so I think that you do tolerate a lot if you feel that you're getting something that you need and that you're worried about being without. And so it's not really until some of the charm starts to wear off where you don't feel like you're getting as much that you can see all the other parts and you're kind of willing to see the other parts. But something you mentioned about going through a hard time, and then I want to hear about more of your experiences, is that sometimes people will ask me what kind of person gets involved in something like this. And Truth is that 50% even more of the time, it's not a, a what question, it's a when question. So I think it also takes the judgment out of it because it isn't like there are these people out there who are open to this when no one else is. It, they, there are people who will say, a year before I wouldn't have been open, I, I wasn't searching for something. Or a year later, but during that time, I was really wanting to feel better. I was needing something. And I was needing or needing someone to hear me, or I was just diagnosed with something or recently, you know, had a breakup or moved away from home. So yeah, there are a lot of people out there who make themselves available during certain times. And that's why there are a lot of cults that do their recruiting on college campuses still and out in front of counseling centers and in, and in prisons and people who are going through difficult times in, in, in hospitals, which I think is unconscionable. Chronic illness is a big one. A lot of people target chronic illness, you know, cases or people who have it on the on the Facebook groups and on Reddit and on TikTok because a lot of those people are going to doctors and not getting any answers. And so it's frustrating. You know, obviously, I'm sure it is. Like if you have these symptoms and you go to a doctor, you're like, you're perfectly fine. And there's that's all they can do for you. A lot of these healers will specifically target those people and, and mediums as well and say, do you have, uh, you know, fatigue? Okay, like that could mean a lot to a, diff a lot of different people. Do you believe you might have some sort of chronic illness, but are seeing no results? I have the special recipe for you. I have, you know, a smoothie you should try. I have a course you can do. I can, you know, heal your gut biome. And, you know, it, it, they're targeting people who they already know. To me, it's like, I think of it in marketing terms or like sales terms, like a cold 
lead is someone who's not doesn't have anything going on and you try to get them to think they might have something that's harder to then already go to people who are communicating in a Facebook group about their chronic illness and then saying, I have a solution for you here, you know, take my course, take my class, join my cult, whatever. And I don't think people who are in it are, are necessarily thinking they're a target, even though they 100% are because they're frustrated by the medical system, which already makes them open to an alternative option. And you might think I'm not that type of person, but if you have a symptom and it cannot be solved, all of a sudden you might be like, well, I'm open to anything, you know, to help me in the situation. And then, like I said, it's a slippery slope sometimes where, you know, you might be open to talking to a medium about your chronic fatigue. And now all of a sudden you're on 50 supplements because at least somebody is giving them a protocol. And it's hard to say, to judge that person and go, oh, how silly that person is. It's like, if you were in that situation, you might also do it. So it's, yeah, it's hard not to judge or to think like, it could never be me, but it 100% could. (laughs) 100%. Right. Absolutely right. All of us have bought products we didn't need and bought products that didn't work. All of us. That's what sales is about, that they get you to buy things. They don't substantiate what it is, but they get you to buy it in a lot of cases. Going back to something you mentioned also about how you're supposed to see it as a sign that this person came into your life or you saw this TikTok video came your way. I think about the stuff that I look up on a daily basis, (laughs) (laughs) which is so out there. And so almost everyone who comes to me on everything will say, you know, this was meant to be, this was somehow, you know, I'm like, no, it's because I just look up weird shit all all day. But, you know, but I just think that is, that's a very meaningful message for some people who who want to believe that there really is this wonderful kind of symmetry to everything that things happen for a reason and yes they happen for a reason it's going to be different if you have a kind of a critical eye the reason that they, these things are happening like i said is cuz i look up a lot of things and their algorithms and people then come to me they do often think that something is a sign and that's also going to be very interesting thing woven in the spirituality of of it all you know well i hate to admit this but i was very much and i think i think it's rewarded in society to a point to be someone who believes everything happens for a reason because if you aren't you're a cynic and you're a critical person and you're a negative nelly you're a debbie downer you know i've been called those things much more often in the last 2 years than i did when i was more into spirituality things and that's okay i don't care you know it's fine i'd rather be a negative nelly than a you know someone getting spinal <laughs> treatments through zoom right. um you know to be honest But I think, you know, when you say something bad happens and you you have a kind of a good attitude about it, you go, well, it must be something I don't understand. It's okay and move forward. That's rewarded by everybody, by your teachers when you're in school, by your partners when, you know, you're in a relationship, by your parents, I'm sure. So I think we all probably sort of have that already somewhere deep inside of our minds. Like if you can look on the bright side of things or if you can excuse something and forgive that's a positive attribute for your personality. Now, having said that, people take it too far, including myself, and they start living life 
based on these signs. Now, part of it, I think, is you're just trying to validate whatever you already want to do. You know, like I want to buy this red convertible. Oh, I saw a red convertible today. Oh, what a sign. I'm going to buy it. And you already were going to do it, but you're just trying to, you know, say it's ordained by something bigger than yourself. And that's okay. I think that's kind of like, you're just trying to, uh, I mean, it depends on what, like what you're trying to do. But I started to notice on the highway that there was a lot of cars with taillights out with like one taillight on and one off. And I think that was because I was driving quite a bit. I had a commute to work pretty far and I would see a lot of these things and I would, whatever I was thinking of or whatever I was listening to, I would say, oh, okay, I saw a taillight. That means that whatever thought I just had is the right thought. As opposed to thinking critically and going, okay, I was just thinking of buying orange juice tonight. I actually don't want orange juice. I'm going to buy something else. No, but I saw the taillight. So now I have to go buy orange juice because there's some reason that I need to do that. I just don't understand it. And then I started to think about my friendships. Like, oh, I really don't like what she said to me. I see a taillight. This person's a bad person. I need to like eliminate them from my life, you know? And it becomes, it's like simple and it's not, I don't know, but it's slowly, I started to really trust in that over my own critical thinking skills. Because again, it was encouraged by the people I was around who were very much into looking for signs. You know, they would sit like a lot of in these yoga classes that were mo- not a traditional yoga class. We were in, in this Western society where you're going, you're just doing a workout. But these yoga classes that are more associated with like personal development, self-care, when you're starting to get a little bit deeper into it. Um, and there it's like, yoga, but also we're really going to talk about spirit and enlightenment. And it's a little bit more serious. And you probably would know that you're in one of those, but they would say like, okay, pick, pick an object that you want to see to prove that manifestation works. So like a feather or a nickel or whatever. And then when you see it, you'll know you're on the right path. So you're already being told those things. Then I'm, you know, already thinking this kooky thing about the taillights. So it's just sort of like, oh, these people will like it if I tell the story in the class that I'm following the taillights of my life. And like, I don't know. So yeah, basically that's all to say that there are little things that I think I started doing that I would never do now that I was actually basing my entire life choices on. I think that there is the need to feel that there is something greater around us, that there is this like force field, that things are kind of coming together. So we're not just spiraling off on our own in space uh, and that we have this connection to something and it's meaningful and something is sort of speaking to us. It's okay. I think it's like kids who have imaginary friends. We, we talk to things that aren't there at time and we feel you know, reassured by that, not alone, but it means being cautious about who you listen to, um, who you invite into your world and what to do if you notice that they're not so healthy. So, okay. So I'm wondering, were there other experiences that you had too, before you started to kind of notice these repetitive things happening to you? Okay. So the most extreme one, um, that I did, it also involves, uh, it's the chiropractic care that I started to do under the suggestion of my life coach. And it's called Network Spinal. There's a Julianne Huff, the uh, dancer on Dance with the Stars. There's like a viral clip of her partaking in this 
modality. And basically, it's a chiropractor who has this special training, I'll say. It's not like they're cracking your bones like some of the more athletic chiropractors do, but they're gently touching your spine. And it's supposed to invoke like your body to do like this wave thing. I don't know. I never did it, but I did. I tried to do it, but I never could pull it off. The idea is all of your emotional trauma will be healed because it's stored in your spine. So if you move it several times a week, it'll be released and you won't have to talk about it. You can just physically release it and you'll be on your way (laughs) in a few months. And I was doing that. I did that for about three, four months. And I thankfully didn't have to pay for it because the owner of the place and I had an agreement. We were trading services and I do video production. So I was doing some video production for the business, but it's not cheap. It's like $100 a session. And when you're beginning, you have to go three times a week, every week for a couple of months. So yeah. So really the people who are doing it are people who are pretty affluent who are going and you know the appointments are during the daytime. A lot of the people who are there were women. And so I talked about this on my channel before, but um, the big thing that people get upset about when I talk about it is that there's newborn babies as well that are getting this done to them, releasing their emotional trauma from the birth. And so, yeah, looking back, uh, you know, there was many, many red flags, um, including the person who was doing the who is running the, the, I don't know you call it, the office, going through a divorce, not publicly, but her husband used to be a chiropractor in the office. And then one day he was just not there anymore and it was never addressed. And, but she's supposed to be like the master of this. Like, why is her life sort of secretly, quietly falling apart? So all those thoughts came in my head during this, but I was so, like I said, just in need of something at that time. And that was being offered to me. And I was like, the sign is I'm getting it for free because I'm trading services. So it must be right. And I'm going and I'm not really feeling anything or changing very much, but I'm just hoping that, you know, it'll come through at some point. And uh, yeah, I quit that very shortly. I think I quit that at the same time as I stopped seeing the life coach as well. But at the time too, now this is in 2020, the beginning of 2020, all of a sudden, you know, I'm at this chiropractic office and there's just little mentions here and there, even at the front desk of like, oh, you're not going to get the vaccine, right? Like when that comes out, just like little things like that are like, you're not going to, you should, you should come more because it'll help your immune system. And just little things, just like, just little like drops of information that I kind of brushed off at the time, like whatever, they don't really mean it or they're just asking. And then now looking back, I'm like, they were setting themselves up to be what a lot of people I think in the wellness space have become, which is anti-traditional medicine, very pro everything's in your head. And don't the fear is the true illness, the true pandemic. So, you know, and I'm very much vaccine. Let's go to the hospital. I have a problem. Like, I, you know, I'm have been and always will be most likely traditionally into that. So I think when that was starting to, they were trying to set the stage for their patients to become more holistic minded. I was not interested really. It's so interesting about, and it's disturbing that they're doing this to babies also, you know, that there, there are a lot of people also who go to specialists who help them with these parasites that they say that they have. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I was talking to someone who 
said that you know she has a lot of eating uh, issues where a lot of digestive issues and nothing was really helping. And turned out, you know, going to the end of the story, she has IBS, but that was undiagnosed. But she went to someone for a couple of years who said that she had parasites and he gave her all of these treatments at great expense and then would have her somehow expel parasites. It was through her skin. He he could collect them somehow. She never saw it. Um, he would have a curtain up so he could be doing all this sort of magic stuff and collecting really nothing. And I said, what? I mean, I, I don't mean to kind of be gross, but what do they look like? You know, she said, oh, I've never seen them. He quickly whisks them away and puts them in his lab in the in a back room and looks and makes sure that he's right about what kind they are. And she said, and, you know, it's really good because I started getting better. And I said, oh, that's great. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know how that's possible. Maybe something just ran its course. She said, but then I started feeling bad again. And he said, oh, well, there's another kind of parasite that feeds on the parasite that I took out. And so it's a scheme of parasites. Right, (laughs) right, exactly. And so, but she never saw them. He would never show them to her. So they really, they, I mean, yes, we do have parasites in our system, but she for so long was going through having pain and spent so much money to go to this person who really, you know, was this quack and snake oil salesman. But at the same time, the fact that she felt better for a little while was very interesting to me because of the whole placebo effect, right? So I'm wondering if that was part of your experience too in the wellness world that you can think something's working. Oh, totally. Yeah. And I think it's, again, it's encouraged by the group to have positive things to report. And it's almost built into the system, at least the one I was in, where you're sharing a lot either with your life coach or even in a bigger group where you're all discussing your life. And no one, again, wants you to be the negative Nelly, even in these situations where you're seeking out support for a bad thing happening to you or you're going through a tough time. People want you to have results and have a positive experience. So I think it's almost like, it's not blatant, it's very subtle, but in a group of, let's say there's five people in a circle and you've just done a yoga class, if four of them say, oh, that was so great, so wonderful, and you're the fifth and go, I'm still feeling pretty bad, you're going to be the one that everyone looks at and is like, oh God, this girl, you know? And that's has been my fear, you know, in social situations. Like, I don't want to be the one that's coming off as not into this or, you know, some sort of weirdo. So even in a an environment that you know, I think it's a lot of social pressure. So then you say, yeah, I liked it. And then later you go home, you're by yourself. You're like, well, I guess I did like it. And they all liked it. So I guess, yeah, I do feel better. You almost like talk yourself into it because I think there's a study where I don't know what it was, but it was like, there's, there's people who everyone's in on it except for the one person. And they showed these two lines and like one's longer and one's shorter, but everyone picks the wrong one. And the, except for in the person that's like not in on the the study picks that one too as like the pressure. So I think I think that does have a lot to do with it. And even like we were talking about, you know, in person and online, in the comments, if all the comments are positive on someone's post who's talking about their manifestation retreat or whatever, I call it woman festation on my channel because a lot of the women are, you know, the targets of these things. So as a joke, I call it woman festation. Yeah. So um, if all the comments are positive, you're more likely not to leave a negative comment 
or to, you know, just ignore it completely or also add your own positive comment to the page. And I find that to be very true on many social platforms. The problem is some of these gurus, teachers, whatever, they will go and delete all negative comments. So that is more of, you know, going to push you to, to, to follow suit. So, and that's a human thing. That's not something we should be necessarily ashamed of or try to change within us, but just be aware that are you really experiencing this great effect from whatever you're doing or have three other people that you like or know or see or, you know, are in your vicinity saying that it's great. And maybe those people are planted there on purpose. You have no idea in some of these cases. Uh, Yeah, I think I at one point was like so gung-ho into it that I was like, I am feeling better. But similar to your friend, it didn't last. And as soon as it doesn't last, it almost becomes more dire to figure it out because you're already doing so much. The fact that you're not feeling better I started to like panic, like, okay, what more can I do? I'm already going to this network spinal place. I'm already doing yoga and meditating every single day. I'm talking to this life coach. I believe in my heart and my soul that I want to get better. And yet I'm not. And then it becomes more of like, okay, I got to do more. I got to do more. I got to do more. And that's never a good state to be in. Oh, it's it's so interesting. I mean, I just had this conceptualization when you were saying, you know, what what else can I be doing? I'm already doing so much. I mean, part of the problem with all of this is that it really delays being able to get the help that you need because you're very busy working on getting help, but it's in the wrong places. And so you might be without any funds by the time you're done with this to actually get the help that you need. It's like having a, a car that needs fixing and you bring it, you know, to a restaurant, like it's hungry or, you know, a salon, is it whatever, right? Home Depot. And you're like, I'm doing all these things. I'm doing all these places, fix things and, and take care of things, but it's not the right place. And so I wonder then what happens when you finally just say, okay, I need to actually stop all of this. What was that moment for you where you just said, okay, I think I'm, I'm done searching for this. It's, it's not, I'm sure without feeling frustrated and depressed and knowing that a lot of time and effort and hope was spent on this. Well, it feels like in my case, at least like it's me, it's not them. It's me. I'm the one that's failing here too, because everyone else seems to be progressing or at least they're saying that. And so I'm struggling and it must be my issue. So there's some self-hatred, I think. For me, at least, it was like, I failed at this. I failed at everything. I'm there because I'm already feeling like a failure. Now I'm failing at this. God, like there's nothing. I'm just useless. I'm, you know, and then you start to, well, I say you, but I started to, you know, go through that cycle of there's nothing you do right. You know, what's the point? And so thankfully getting into therapy quickly. And it was, like I said, I had been sort of talking about it openly with my friends and my boyfriend at the time. And you know, they sort of gently said, well, what, ha- have you tried therapy? And again, I thought, I'm not that bad. <laughs> you know, I haven't gone through that much. You know, I'm not on a, I'm not in a crisis. And then it was like, well, just go. And then you cannot go, you know, maybe they'll tell you, they'll, they'll lead you somewhere else. They'll give you a, you know, a next clue to what you can do. And it's like, okay. And then I, that sort of eased me in. Like I'm, you know, I've been to therapists in the past and when I was younger and more as a, in a, as a child, but it was because at that time and my parents sort of 
mentality about it was, well, this is an extreme thing that's happened. So we need to get you in therapy. Like, you know, not that this happened to me, but like, for example, like a car accident was traumatic. Now you go. And I'm like, well, I haven't had a car accident. I've just been sort of spiraling in my own mind slowly. I'm not really, you know, there's a lot of little things going on, but not a big thing. And I thought that that was the prerequisite to get into therapy. And then once I, you know, temporarily at that time, put that out of my mind and contacted my therapist and then met with her and talked to her about what was going on. And she was like, oh, yes, you should be here. This is the, yes, this is something that, you know, I believe is to the level of discussing it. And then, then I felt more comfortable like, oh, okay, well, she believes that I should be here. So that's good. I'll, I'll see it through for a few more weeks. And I've been there for two and a half years. So uh-huh. <laughs> I'm still working on it, but I'm much more aware now of, of uh, a lot of things. And, and I think as with anything, when you get involved in something that's healthier, you start to really notice the difference, first of all, in yourself, but also compare it to what you had been through in the past with other people. It's like getting in a good relationship for the first time. Like, oh, oh, this is what it's supposed to be like. So I wonder what it's done and how it's made you, in retrospect, think about all the other experiences you've had. <laughs> Puts it in perspective. Um, one moment that I remember... Uh... I don't know where exactly in the timeline this was, but I was on TikTok a lot at the time. Again, back in the pandemic when it was, you know, first beginning. And I started to see a lot of of things tagged like narcissistic personality disorder. I'd never heard of that before. I've heard of narcissist before, but never the, you know, the, the clinical definition. And I kept getting served that same thing a lot. And I brought it up to my life coach and I said, do you like, what do you think about this? Like, you know, and, and mo- mostly about my, my own mom, kind of like she has some of those traits. I don't think clinically, but like, you know, some of the attributes and she's like, oh no, I've seen a narcissist before and you can tell by looking in their eyes. And I just felt like that is not accurate. <laughs> And I felt so, I'm like, this TikTok thing apparently feels like it needs to tell me this because, you know, it showed up every four swipes and it really like resonated with me a lot. And I had never heard it. And I felt like, oh my gosh, this might explain so much. And I, you know, brought it to her and I felt like it got shut down immediately. And it was like, oh no, that's not you. Her eyes are not that way. And I'm like, okay, that seems a little quick to jump. You know, I brought it up, that up to my therapist and I said, I don't know, but I feel like this might be something. And she's like, well, let's talk about it. Let's discuss it. Let's, you know, see. And she's like, I'm not, I can't diagnose anyone. That's not you, but you know, okay. And then, and then it sort of led to a conversation as opposed to, nope, it's black or white. Like if the eyes are evil, then it, she's a narcissist. If it's not, then it's not. And I felt like that's more, much more in line with my thinking. Is like, let's weigh the facts. Let's look at them. Let's explore them as opposed to you either manifested right or you manifested wrong. And it's like, I, I just didn't do well long-term with that type of mentality. Yeah. Oh, and I'm glad. Um, <laughs> yes. So I wonder about a couple of things. One is, what are some of the kind of egregious, outrageous things you've come across in your research and just doing the show and and the things that people really need to know about and the trends also. Also, why it matters to you to this degree. So well, let's start with what you're noticing and the 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 things, I mean, because so much of this is trendy, you know, what people can really now be like, there's an onslaught of this as soon as you open any kind of social media. 
And I feel like I get the most of it. Like you said, like you're searching for certain things. So now you're just inundated with it. So, so probably a normal person, I would say, doesn't get as many ads for life coaching as I do, or like, you know, uh, light language retreats like I do, because I'm searching that stuff out for, for YouTube. There's a big pivot right now I'm noticing in people who started off in like the teaching sense of, I'm going to teach you how to run your Instagram account. I'm going to teach you how to, you know, make a website and be an influencer. There was a lot of that five years ago. That was a big trend where everyone was becoming like, I made a million followers and I'll teach you how to do it. Those people have sort of fizzled out or the people haven't, but their content has. It's not really the same algorithm it was five years ago. So a lot of those people are pivoting now towards either relationship coaches, which they're going to teach you how to find a man or a woman to date, to marry, because I think that's a very sensitive spot for a lot of people, especially after the pandemic. You know, no one really wants to online date from what I hear. So, you know, it's like an alternative that they're going to make you a better person, put you back in control to find your soulmate as opposed to being selected or not on these apps. So, but it's like the person who's doing it, they may be married or they may not, but they have just anointed themselves as a relationship expert. So I see a lot of those people who did Instagram to now, you know, they're experts in love. And then the other thing is fitness into life coaching, because there's a big equation still, even in today's more open-minded mindset of if you're thin and muscular, you must have your life together hundred percent in all aspects of your life. And so a lot of people who were doing a lot of fitness content, uh, maybe that's not in vogue anymore. It's not as cool or as popular now. You'll get a lot of negative comments, people saying that you're, you know, fat phobic or you're not qualified because you're not actually, you know, licensed or you're not a nutritionist. You're not a personal trainer that you shouldn't be making this fitness content. Those people are now saying like, okay, I do work out still. And it's a big part of your life and my life and everyone's life should be. But I'm going to teach you now how to, you know, get control of your, your habits. I'm going to teach you how to get a routine set. I'm going to teach you how to love yourself and pivoting into the more, again, vague topics, opening their, their net of possibilities with having clients for, I think, a business reason. But I also think it's easier. It's a lot easier to just give your, your fleeting thought about what life is, as opposed to having to go and learn how to do a technique, rent out a space. Like That takes a lot of effort. Just saying like, yeah, you know, uh, get up at 5 a.m. That'll that'll fix your life is a lot simpler as a teacher to give that advice and to profit from it. It is a lot easier. It's so interesting. And then you see people just pontificating and they're sitting in their car or whatever. They just had a thought and they thought it would be important for people to hear. Sometimes they are interesting. Sometimes they're not at all at all helpful, but there's so much content out there. It's like an endless stream and I'm sure you've come across. And so the, those changes are interesting that people go from the professional into the personal, from fitness to life coaching, from dealing with, you know, trying to help you in your world in every way, uh, which also is a problematic thing in terms of boundaries. And I think that for some people too, the way they talk is going to say something about them in the way that they use language that's not very decipherable, something that 
we started talking about there there is this idea that if something doesn't make sense that it's of a higher level of intelligence or a higher spiritual level it doesn't mean that at all but i'm sure you come across a lot of things where you say i'm sorry what <laughs> yeah yeah it's like the word salad like you said it's it's a lot of people think and i make fun of it on my channel and i think that's kind of important and i know it comes off mean sometimes and i don't mean to be mean as much as i think i've sort of leaned into that uh lately but you know it's sort of like point out the ridiculousness point out the nonsense because if we keep letting it just sit there as if it is some sort of profound thought for someone to say your desires are just at the cornerstone of your beliefs. What does that mean? Like if I say it in a way that really makes it feel like I'm saying something, I'm emoting in the right places, exactly, you know, making sure and keeping that eye contact and saying, you need to hear this today. This is not a mistake that you're, you know, watching this video from me inside of my car in between my errands. I just wanted to tell you that you are important and I have the thing for you, which is my class for $9.97, you know, and I think when people get good at it, so maybe like I said, they came from selling fitness courses and they learned what works and what doesn't. It translates very easily into mental health care, what they're offering, what they think is mental health care, but they don't have the safeguards in mind that they would if they were trained as a therapist, where it's like there are people that you need to be wary of that if they say something you need to help them get through that or you know you don't want to promise over promise something to someone when you can't deliver on it you know there's ethics in mind they just it's not that they're nefariously doing something wrong they just don't have the experience or the knowledge to know that perhaps and so they're saying this meaningless thing promising this you know vague happiness at the end of whatever they're offering. And I just don't know if they're aware enough to know that that could actually hurt somebody that is going through something that is not even on their mind because they're not able to get, there's not, it's not a conversation. It's a one-way sales pitch. So how can you know what that person's thinking to go, oh, what you just said means that I should go and you know do this, which could hurt them, could hurt someone else. You don't have any stake in the person watching because you don't know who's watching. It's a number on a screen. What do you care? Right. You know? Yeah. What do you care is right. When I was doing uh, this work years ago uh, at a place called the Cult Clinic, which is now no, no longer in LA, a lot of people started coming to me and saying that they got involved in A Course in Miracles and that some people were saying that Marianne Williamson, who was running one of these courses in the LA area was wonderful. And others were saying that they got involved actually in the organization and then found her to be very different once they got to know her, like you're saying. And it was really just disheartening for, for them, but also the teaching on the one hand, some of it was helpful and the other was not at all. And it kind of messed with their heads. So whenever I have an opportunity to do it, I go to check out a group. And so I remember sitting in the audience and watching her all dressed in white and doing her thing and also very well lit and smiling and smiling and smiling and talking in whispery tones. And there were a lot of things that came out of her mouth that were absolutely obvious, like things that anyone would nod their head at. And so there was this sense of really agreeing and connecting and she gets us and she's one of us. And then it would dive into something that didn't quite make sense. 
And then I noticed people, instead of looking up at her, looked at each other. Yep. And to see if people were nodding their heads and then they would start to nod. They needed the confirmation, the social confirmation in the room and there was social contagion. And it was so interesting. I could see where it departed from being this sort of obvious. Well, yeah, I mean, yes, yes, we do want to have love in our lives. Yes, we do want to be happy. Yes. And then she'd say something else that just was really... Death does not exist. Yeah. It's one thing she says. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Every week or so, I try to do like a highlight on something or someone. And um, because Marianne Williamson is running for president in 2024, allegedly, I mean, she is running, but you know, the, the jury's still out as whether she'll get any votes or even make it to any sort of uh, election. But uh, yeah, so I try to go deep into who this person is. Like these names pop up. A lot of people are in the same club when it comes to self-help spirituality. They all sort of are on each other's podcasts. They're all pushing each other's courses, both for, you know, scratch my back, I'll scratch yours reasons, but also affiliate marketing reasons. And that's not always clear. So I try to, if their name comes up a few times, which Marianne Williamson's name came up several times because I've talked about Gabby Bernstein, I've talked about Louise Hay in the past, and there's overlap on both of those people. Um, So I thought it was a good time to talk about her. And I didn't disagree with all of her political views. I think she's got some interesting political views, but um, she definitely, you know, has a past of self-help, of woo-woo spirituality. Uh, She's been accused of sort of like the Ellen effect, I say, where your public persona is like, be kind. And then it comes out later that behind the scenes, you are like the least kind person. There was you know, accusations of that. So we talk about that. And uh, the funniest part, I think, of of the piece, and it's a little long, but it's kind of laid back, you know, style. We're just as an audience, the audience and me are kind of exploring someone through their online presence. Uh, she's the biggest Avatar fan that has ever walked the earth, apparently. She thinks that James Cameron should win a Nobel Peace Prize for Avatar. So... <laughs> She was a part of my kind of cult education um, about how groups influence each other. Yeah. It's not just the leader who needs to be doing it. No. And I think that's something that's overlooked. And I think it's maybe because of the way, and I hate to say the media, because I don't really believe there is one media, but, you know, in movies and TV and these specials that we see about cults, it's a lot about the charismatic leader and their control and their leadership and, you know, all the things that they did, which is very important. It's a big part of it. However, it really is the two below, the, the the people who are actually interacting with the members on a daily basis that I think even have probably more sway because those you're not going to go up to the leader of the group and say, I'm thinking about leaving. You talk to your friend who's also there and you say, you know, I'm thinking about, or do you see that? Or And what their response is, is probably a thousand times more you know, impactful on your decision than the leaders would. And I think that's something that's overlooked. And even on the other side of it, and I'm on the, you know, I would say the snark side, which is a whole different type of community where it's sort of making fun of, analyzing, looking at something like an MLM and sort of going, oh, how silly. However, there's a group that does that collectively and there's infighting there. And there's 
probing for what's the feedback going to be, you know, from my comment against the MLM. So no matter where you go, no matter if you think you're the smartest, again, the smartest person, the most logical, and you're around other logical, smart people in a group, there is going to be that push and pull that looking to the side to see if you're the one that just is not listening or paying attention or understanding. Does your friend get it? And oh, I don't want to be the only one who doesn't get it. So I'm going to nod my head too. It doesn't matter if it's purposefully trying to manipulate you or if it just happens naturally. I think it's just, you need to be aware that no one's above that. It's a human condition in my opinion. And I'm no scientist, but I feel like it makes a lot of sense where it's like survival is okay, are we all seeing this cliff we're about to walk off of or is it just me, you know? And I think that's part of how we survive so long. Absolutely. And I think also in a lot of these groups, there's public shaming or if you don't get it, you know, if you're not smiling when everyone else is smiling. So you know how to keep yourself safe. So I, I will often let people know that when they think they're the only one in the room who doesn't agree or doesn't quote unquote get it, they're not. If it's not something that's really totally understandable or believable. They're going to be in the majority. It'll seem like they're in the minority because people have learned how to play along. You know, it's very interesting. It's uh, it's very gaslighting. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm wondering, just as we're finishing up, tell me about what is driving you. What is it about this that makes you want to be snarky about it, to get the message out, to to drive the points home? Well, I feel like as someone who has been through it, and I haven't been the most dramatic case that has ever come out of, of one of these, you know, in the personal development space, spirituality space, um, I kind of got out early. I was, you know, I didn't go through a religious trauma or anything. So I sort of have a, a middle of the road type of experience. Um, I come from a video production news background and I've sort of seen how the news industry is very on the downward, not spiral, downward turn where there's just not enough reporters to cover things. There's not enough anchors to talk about things locally. And, you know, there's, there's a big gap in content because there's, you know, people online who say whatever they want to say and they have no care or regard for what they're saying. And then we have like the New York Times, which is, you know, takes a long time and money to put together a thoughtful piece. There's somewhere in the middle where I feel like I can kind of lend myself where I, I have the background in journalism where I tend to take the time and research and, you know, try to be unbiased as possible. Also being open about my bias on my channel. But to talk about a topic that doesn't get mainstream coverage, but is very important to a lot of people, which is like this personal development, spirituality, online space, all that you see is the ad copy or the people who are in the space as the leaders. There's no there's no industry paper that is covering them critically and looking at this and going, you said this six months ago, and now you're saying this, what happened, you know? And so I feel like me, and I'm not the only one, there's there's many creators out there on many different platforms that are starting to come on board and talk about this, but it's just basically being that check and balance for the industry and that, that does not exist currently. And I think it's because, like I said, there's no money in it for the news media to, you know, be paying attention this closely to this specific industry. It doesn't make sense. But now that it's more democratized, you, anyone can have a YouTube channel. That's what I'm trying to sort of do. 
put the facts out there, make it entertaining because that's important to make it fun, to make it funny, to be honest about where I'm coming from, but also keep it in mind. Like I'm not going to try to make someone seem worse than they really are. You know, like we were talking about Marianne Williamson, like she had some things that I thought were great. And there were some things that I thought were like way out of there. So I tried to be honest and say, this is where I got this information and this is how I feel about it. And, you know, draw your own conclusions. And that's really my big goal is don't listen to me. (laughs) Start to look at these things critically with your own eye, with your own judgment. And that if people start doing that more and like turn me off, honestly, that's, the best case scenario outcome. Trust yourself more and get used to like thinking about things critically, even if you seem like a jerk in the moment or you're like, oh, I'm so negative. Like that's probably a positive sign. (laughs) Right. And even if you're the only one in the room who seems like you're not into it, it takes a lot of bravery though to do that, you know? But I think I think it's really wonderful that you have decided to dig into this because it affects so many people. And there's so many people who are living very well off of the hopes, the dreams, the intentions, the needs of people who are trusting them, who are giving over their resources to them. And these people are not qualified and they have no business doing this. And they don't mind just taking and taking and taking and really wasting people's time in in keeping them from getting the help that really could set their life on a better course or deal with the actual issues. So I'm very happy that you're doing this work. And so where can people find Kia's World and where can they find you, Kayla? Yeah, YouTube is basically the home base. So Kia's World, it's spelled K-E-Y-A. And on on Instagram, that's where I find a lot of my material is uh, Kia's World YT for YouTube on Instagram. So I those are my two big platforms. Okay. It was so nice to talk to you. I hope we get to talk again. Yeah, you too. Thanks so much. One more thing before you go. It is so good to meet Kayla and to talk to her and to hear about her insights and her history. It's always fascinating to me to talk about scammers and liars and grifts and grifters. And what's so interesting is that Kayla's right. So many of these people who want to start to teach you about how to deal with society or how to help with your finances or have some fitness techniques that you should follow, sometimes start to move into areas they have no business being in. They will sometimes become your spiritual coach. They'll sometimes decide what you should believe in order to achieve your goals or that somehow you are not living in a certain way with a certain openness to certain kinds of thinking. And that's what's getting in the way of you being able to achieve your goals, which is always the beginning of some rabbit hole of victim blaming. And sometimes it's seen as kind of motivational. You want to see your part in things and you want to see how you're getting in your own way. But when that seems to be the philosophy 
that is so pervasive across the board with so much of this, so many people selling products, they have an out built in from the beginning. If they can weave into the philosophy or the technology or the science, pseudoscience of it, that if it doesn't work, it's because of you, then they can sell you whatever they want. And they could sell you however much they think you need to take of this. And if it doesn't work, it's your fault. That you didn't buy enough or you didn't use it at the right time or you didn't use it the right way or you weren't opening your heart up to it when you were using it, whatever, but it's you. It's all on you. One of the things that I find really troubling is that there are pockets within licensure life that I think are truly problematic. And some people might see this as closed-minded. I see this as a slippery slope. When I opened my professional magazine through the California Association of Marriage and Family Therapists or the Board of Behavioral Science, and I see advertisements for things that I think are really questionable, where I know a lot of these magazines survive by selling their advertising space to different people, but still I feel like there should be some sort of guideline, some standard, so that it doesn't seem like these organizations are touting these beliefs. But maybe they also are. Maybe they don't see a problem with it. On the podcast a couple of years ago, I talked about going to a local college in order to take a weekend of courses to get continuing education credit. And it was at this weekend that I met Marie Antoinette, uh, who was sitting uh, a couple seats away from me and, in fact, hit me squarely in the face with her scarf as she very dramatically threw it over one shoulder. It was part of a class about past life regression, and she was sure because. Maybe she came to this class believing this, or maybe it was the teacher who guided her, but this teacher who was a licensed marriage and family therapist who did rebirthing and regression therapy was very sure that she had been Marie Antoinette. She was dressed all in white, and I remember her because not only did she hit me in the face with her scarf, but she was standing in front of me as we were entering this conference room, and she stood there, instead of opening the door, she waited because she's a famous person in history, I guess. She waited for someone to come and open the door for her. So I remember being stalled behind her, wondering what was wrong and thinking maybe she's on her phone. But no, she was just standing there waiting to sort of be waited on hand and foot. And it was very interesting to see. And then there were other courses that you could take where you got actual continuing education credit, where people were talking about handwriting interpretation, fine. And they were talking about tapping, mm, has its validity and also not, depending on how broadly it's used. But I think what was very interesting too was having this presentation on the power of crystals. I kid you not. So I like to be a lot more grounded, especially when getting professional continuing education credit. But there was a person there who was holding a crystal at the end of a chain 
And he was noting how the crystal on this pendulum was going to go in a certain direction based on the person in the room whose energy drew the crystal to them. So it was the person's energy that was going actually to cause this crystal to start swinging right in their direction. And so the people then who had that kind of energy were sort of seen as special people in the room. I noticed, of course, because I tend to look at things this way, that whoever questioned the validity, the veracity, well, they didn't have the right energy. So the crystal never swung in my direction or someone else's who also questioned this. And on and on and on. That was actually just one day of the three days. And so a few weeks later, I remember talking to someone who did magic. And just like the amazing Randy, who I did a show about for uh, a bonus episode for the Patreon supporters, how he could debunk so much of this pseudoscience and kind of magic tricking and tricking the audience. This magician was someone who I'd grown up with. He was a childhood friend. And he worked at the Magic Castle at times. And I said, you know, I went to this thing where this guy had this crystal on a pendulum and it swung in the direction of all these people who had positive energy. And he looked at me like, you've got to be kidding. You believe this? I said, no, 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 I don't. I don't. But please let me know what this is about, how that happens. And so he said that your brain sends information to your muscles and they make micro movements and they follow what your brain is telling them to do. So you can actually have something on a pendulum start swinging and you can have it swinging in a certain direction if that's where you want it to go. And it won't look to the naked eye like your hand is moving at all as it's having this chain swinging sometimes very quickly uh, at the other end of it, but that you will be making that happen. So this teacher was rewarding the ones who were going along by making sure that this crystal swung in their direction, but of course told them that their energy were the ones drawing it to them. When you get into the behind the scenes, when you see what's happening, when you see the sleight of hand, it's okay if it's for entertainment. But in my book, it's not okay if it's used to diagnose, if it is used to separate a group of people from kind of the enlightened, from the unenlightened, the ones who have the crystal going towards them, the ones who don't. There's so much behavior modification in that. People stopped asking questions and they stopped disagreeing after a while because they didn't want to be the only ones who weren't treated to having the crystal go in their direction. and. It also can be really, really irresponsible if it is used in any way to predict someone's future or to predict what they need for their health and their mental health and what's wrong with them. I wish that there were stronger boundaries between these two worlds of the licensed and the unlicensed, the mainstream and the not, the provable and the magical. So because there really isn't enough for my taste and many other people's taste, it's up to you. It's up to you to do what Kayla does, to 
notice the scammers, to ask the questions, to find out how something is done if it seems like it's convinced you of something. But it turns out that it was just a parlor trick. And no one should be playing parlor tricks with people who have real issues or who are offering their trust to someone or their last pennies. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you very much for listening. Please support Indoctrination on Patreon at patreon.com indoctrination. Be sure to give us a follow on our social media. Find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Indoctrination Podcast. And for Twitter, find us at at underscore Indoctrination. We love hearing from you too. So send us an email at indoctrinationshow at gmail.com. And for more updates on the show, visit our website at www.podpage.com forward slash indoctrination.